This is Larry Weissman, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Killing Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas, to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today I've got Matt Miller on of Trying Hard Outdoors. Matt competitively shoots crossbows and he's also a guide at Collins Low Country Ranch in South Carolina. Matt, welcome to the show. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Jason. Oh, it's my pleasure. As a crossbow shooter myself, I want to really delve into the competitive crossbow shooting that you do but also the work that you do as a, you know, the life of a, a guide or outfitter and, and the fun and the ups and the downs that can bring and, you know, just working in the outdoor industry as a whole. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and trying hard outdoors and how that all got started, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm 44 years old and was born and raised in central New Jersey. And about 15 years ago, just decided that I wanted to really pursue a career and, and pursue it more of a life in the outdoor industry and, and see if I could make a go with actually working in it and decided New Jersey probably wasn't the best location to do that out of. So I moved to Virginia. We live up over on the west side of Virginia, almost into West Virginia over in the mountains. Got a little bit of land so I can practice for all our competitions and, and hunt a little bit right here on my own land and cut down a lot of my transportation time most of the archery events are, are southern-based. Most of what we shoot is in, in the ASA tournament series. So south is really where you need to be. You know, all the tournaments are in Alabama, Georgia, Texas. It's a real long way from anywhere, but even further from New Jersey. Sure. And what's ASA stand for? Archery Shooters Association. Got it. Okay. There's two primary sanctioned bodies in the United States for 3D archery, the ASA and the IBO. Both of them have... Very stiff, comparable classes. If you compete in one, there is a class you can compete in in the other one. But the rules vary a little bit, and, and there's just you know some minor differences. We shoot five of the ASA tournaments every season, and normally two of the IBO tournaments every season. So that keeps you moving. Most of these, I'm assuming, are all summer and fall? We will start in February every year, and we finish up competition season in August. And we're gone... At least once, you know, each tournament is one, obviously takes up one weekend. So we're gone one weekend, sometimes two weekends from February until August. Oh, okay. And you are strictly shooting crossbows in these tournaments, correct? I am right now. I shot vertical bow for years and still do some here at home. When the crossbow industry just really started to explode 10 years ago, I had been given an opportunity I was shooting for Horton Archery when they built vertical bows for a couple of years. And when 
Greg Ritz bought Horton Archery and dropped the vertical bow line, they offered me to stay and do the same things I was doing in the crossbow side. So I sat back and kind of did a little bit of the math and, and looked at where I thought it was going and how I, everybody was projecting the crossbow industry to just explode. And I thought, you know, let's give it a shot. Let's, let's see what happens. But I guess you can call it uphill or downhill from there. <laughs> it's definitely kept me busy. Oh, I bet. And I shoot a crossbow myself. I started because I'm handicapped. I couldn't find bows that allowed me to vertical bows to shoot comfortably because of my arthritis. Right. Now with the advances in the technology, I was able to buy my first vertical bow not too long ago. I'm still not proficient enough to use it for hunting, but I love shooting with my crossbows. So I, I find this tournament shooting that you do with crossbows to be really, really intriguing. And I know I've got a lot of listeners that crossbow hunt as well. So this is kind of, this is pretty cool. It is. It really is. And, and crossbow composition, Europe and overseas is huge. I guess partially because of their restrictions and what they're allowed to do over there. They're not obviously don't have the freedoms that we're allowed here. So they, the crossbow competitions are really, really big over there. And for the longest time in the state, it really didn't exist. And then even once it did start to exist a little bit, you were definitely the outcast. You know, I mean, there was very few people that did it. I and mean, you went to an event and everybody kind of looked at you like, what are you doing here? That you don't belong here with that. And it's that attitude has changed. It's it's gone. You're it's a lot more welcoming. There's a lot more people doing it. The last two years, the class has really started to explode. We're averaging thirty to forty shooters per event just in the crossbow class every event now. And you're talking about some changes on the ASA class for next year to make two classes instead of one to promote a little more you're just your average bow hunter getting out there and trying it right now the average guy comes out there and, and he's competing against guys like myself that have full factory support and shoot 20 30,000 arrows a year so i mean if they enjoy themselves but it's just you know the average guy it's, it's not fair for them to compete against somebody to that level you know what i mean so by having the two classes it'll it'll give it either an advanced or a professional class and then an entry class that you can shoot with stock equipment you know just like you would open the box and buy a brand new, you know, whatever brand you decided to buy, you'd be able to compete with that and, and be fair and be even, you know what I mean? Not, not be uh, outclassed or out equipment, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. So with the two classes, which really makes sense because, like you said, somebody that's shooting like yourself basically full-time year-round, the guy that picks up the crossbow and shoots a couple dozen times a day, two, three weekends a month, just isn't going to get that same type of traction on a competition shoot right and i mean it's like anything else i mean you need to have room for advancement and you need to have entry level or beginner classes i mean otherwise i mean that's pretty demoralizing as a new guy that just gets a little bit of interest most people just human nature aren't going to come back if the first time they go they get beat by 100 points correct you know that's that's not fun <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great setup to go for the sport because it it, get it encourages it more people to keep in the sport. And whether they stay with crossbows, cross over to vertical bows, or shoot both, it does nothing but bode well for the archery industry. Absolutely. It gives more people an opportunity if they're just not confident with a vertical bow or don't feel confident with it, you know, they can can still compete with the crossbow um we're picking up a lot of some of the, the guys that compete with vertical bows a couple of guys their wives have started shooting the crossbow just they're at this event with their husband and they can't or don't shoot a vertical bow for whatever reason and all of a sudden well hey i can shoot my crossbow that i hunt with and shoot while i'm here hanging out with my husband for the weekend 
Yeah, they get something to do and and to run around and and have a good time. Absolutely, yeah. And I have. I mean, I, I love archery, and, and like I said, I've shot all different forms of it. I've had more fun these last few years competing on the crossbow side of it. Just fun aspect of it, I think, than I ever did in the past. The, the small group of, of guys that really hung in there and fought to get this off the ground are just a great group of guys. I mean, we're scattered all across the country and we've all become very close friends. And that's just, you know, it's it's another family. It really is. You know, we spend one weekend a month with these people, but it's you talk to them year-round and we're you know, we've started setting up hunting trips together, and it's just a, a really great close-knit group of, of good, honest people that just want to promote fun, you know, and just go out there and enjoy yourselves, so. Very cool. Now, with your equipment, I want to jump over and talk because I shoot an Excalibur crossbow because it's forgiving for me, I should say, mm-hmm. but you're shooting a Mission crossbow, the, the Sub-1 still? I am. I signed with Mission back in October, and I love it. I mean, that, that new Mission Sub-1 is, is really phenomenal. They designed that bow intentionally just purely for shootability and accuracy. They didn't buy into the speed game, which so many of the manufacturers are tied up in right now because marketing has just created this fallacy that you've got to be shooting the fastest you possibly can to accomplish anything. Yeah, be a vertical bow or crossbow, and that's just not the case. It's, you don't need... I, I've used this, this scenario for years to explain it to people. If you're a Chevy guy, you could go down to your local Chevy dealership and buy a Camaro and go to your local drag strip on, on street stock night, whatever night you have different place to do it on Friday nights or whatever, and you could probably run that car for 20 years doing no more than changing the oil and routine maintenance on it. But if you start adding nitrous and blowers and turbos and giant slick tires and all this other stuff about every other week something's going to break and you're going to be fixed. it's just the nature of mechanical items when you when you push the design and push the materials to their extreme there's more maintenance required there's more tuning required and it's, it's the same on vertical bows and crossbows when you want to shoot the hottest fastest equipment out there there's more shock and vibration even if you don't feel it it's still there so all of that shock and vibration is going through your sighting system and going through you know, the entire bows, and they just, they require a lot more work. Yeah, the limbs, everything. It all takes that abuse. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Mission, they've really come on in the last few years with a, with a strong name, and tell me a little bit about Mission and its background and how you got hooked up with them, because a lot of folks are always like, well, if I shoot at this tournament, how do I end up getting a sponsor? And I think it's what, what a lot of people miss is it's not so much really what the sponsor can do for you, it's what you can do for the sponsor and how you're going to help them. And and I'd like to have somebody that's actually working with a sponsor to, to tell about that and, and the experience you've had with, with Mission. It really is. It's it's a lot of it is is on the shooter, and you don't have to be a world champion to get a sponsorship. You, you know, you don't have to go compete every weekend to get sponsored. There's different levels. You know, the companies will start on a smaller level. If you're a guy that just shoots a bunch of local stuff around home and, and goes to a few or big shoots and stuff, it's really about you. I mean, it, it's you've got to be outgoing. You've got to be happy. You've got to be when somebody asks you a question, stop and talk to them. You know, and encourage people, and and that goes a lot further than just being winning a tournament. You know, you can go win every tournament, but if you don't carry a personal attitude and can't get along with people and don't share your enthusiasm and, and don't 
support the industry and the sport, you know, there's a million guys in line for every sponsorship that's out there that would be happy to take it. So, I mean, it's a lot of it just goes back to, you know, be friendly, be open, stop. When you see a kid looking at your bow, stop and talk to him, show it to him. I can't tell you how many different people have shot my equipment just because we were standing by a range or something and they stopped to look at it and, hey, you want to shoot it? Here you go. Okay, not to hurt it. You know, and then that was even, even when I was shooting vertical bow stuff. I mean, it's harder to let them shoot it on the vertical bow side because every bow is different. But on the crossbow side, anybody can shoot my bow. You know, it might not fit that perfect where I've got the stock adjusted or my scope set, you know, but anybody can pick it up, get a feel for it, and squeeze the trigger and shoot it. So I let them. Absolutely. You know, when you start talking the, the accuracy we're, we're chasing, you know, when we're running for world championships, yeah, that takes just as much time and effort as competing on the vertical bow side. But for, you know, for that person that was on the fence about wanting to get involved, just that little bit of encouragement goes a long way. You know, and, and now they're, they now they might go out and buy a bow or, or have already have one and just that be enough for the same way. You know what? I, I want to try this. Well, let's see what happens. You know, everybody isn't going to do what we do and jump into the deep end of the pool and let this be a dominant part of their life. But that doesn't mean they can't shoot one or two tournaments a year or just have fun at home. Have fun at home, use it to hunt, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, everything we do is there's people out there every day trying to stop hunting and trying to take all these rights, these privileges away from us. You know, we've got to support everybody that's fighting for it. We've got to support and encourage the kids to do this. Women, I mean, women and kids, women for the last 10 years have been the fastest growing segment of the outdoor industry. And if we don't start getting the kids back involved and getting more kids doing this stuff, our time's limited. Very true. Stuff won't be here forever if if we don't keep kids and and other people interested. There's really a lot of interest in crossbows. You'll get the goof, you know, the question I used to hear a lot was, well, that's a poacher's weapon. Well, I always used to say, I don't know if you've ever shot a crossbow before, but A, would you like to try shooting mine? And B, if you're proficient with a regular vertical bow, that'd be far more efficient to use for something illegal than a crossbow because they're just not that easy with the cocking and all, you know. They're not, and they're they're big and bulky. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love them, but they're a pain in the butt to carry through the woods. Exactly. And, you know, trees grow up and down. These things are 18 inches to three foot <laughs> wide. You know? Yep, and that was the thing i used to hear the most but i really don't hear that that much anymore there's still a few people that are that are fighting it but most people have really seen it's not any different it's really not it's still a string it's still an arrow yes turn sideways do you have to draw in front of the deer no you don't it's already caught but a brand new matthews triax is 26 inches long and weighs two and a half pounds you know your average crossbow is eight to ten pounds and almost two feet wide you know there, there's give and take you know do you have to to practice a little bit more with a vertical bow compared to being able to to rest a crossbow on a shooting rail in your tree stand, sure. But you know what? These days and times, a lot of people don't have the time to really put into shooting a vertical bow with what it takes. So I'd much rather a guy be out there and be proficient and kill that deer he's shooting at than wound it because he hadn't, didn't have time to practice. You know, now when you get into the tournament side, all our all our shooting is freehand. I mean, you just stand up and shoot it. There's no, you can't wrap a sling around your forearm. You can't brace on anything. You know, that's a totally different conversation. Shooting crossbows are not designed to shoot freehand. They're not. <laughs> you know, so I, that's I tell anybody. They say, well, anybody can hit with that. Short off that man, pick it up, go stand out there and shoot forty yards. It's a whole different game. <laughs> 
Yep, and I'm looking at the specs, for example, on your on your sub one, about 350 feet per second on an arrow, which is yeah. right there with the triax. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the only real difference, like you said, is the ability to have it already drawn when that game animal into sight. But you know, I look at it and say, if that's what it takes to get men, women, and kids out hunting, and if we introduce a bunch of young kids through crossbow hunting, and some stay crossbow, some go to vertical bow, some go to gun whatever the platform is to keep them outside and get them hunting is of really no relevance it's that they're out there hunting they're buying their license they're having a good time and they're doing their part to keep the history and the legacy of hunting out there going absolutely and i mean when i when i hunt with a vertical bow i'm going to sit in my tree stand and i've got a little sling that hangs down between my knees that i set my bottom cam in and my vertical bow will just i just got to keep my hand on it like you know they don't weigh but three four pounds now and it just sits there you know i got to balance it but it just sits there so when a deer comes in i clip my release on and i draw straight back and everything's in line with my body in the trunk of the tree and yeah there's movement but with that seven to ten pound crossbow i'm not sitting there with that thing almost ready and they're big and bulkier so there's not as much movement but there is still quite a bit of movement and you you'll attest to that being as you hunt with one you know the deer still see you right <laughs> it's not this magical you know yeah no it's it's not like you sit there and keep that crossbow held up to your shoulder the whole time and it's you know it's is right. even though uh you know the the actual crossbow might be cocked and holding the arrow still you got to move that thing up you got to swing it around like you said you're swinging yeah you know, in my case with my Excalibur, I'm pushing foot and a half, two feet, even when the darn thing's cocked. So yeah. there's movement. There's plenty of movement. There's yeah. plenty for that deer. And forget about it with a turkey. You really have to be hidden and ready to go with a turkey. Yeah. Oh, don't talk to me about turkeys. Turkeys and I don't get along. <laughs> I've not used mine for turkey hunting yet, but talking with some guys that do, because I want to take the Royal Slam with my crossbow, and they're like, they all kind of looked at me like, yeah, good luck. You better make sure you're always in the right spot because those birds will spot that and they're gone. Yes, I've had my butt kicked all across this country hunting turkeys, and I think I can hunt them with a howitzer and they'd still kick my butt. But hunting a turkey with a crossbow is tough. If you're not in a blind, it is tough. You know, you just think about any time you've been turkey hunting, that gobbler comes easing through the woods. Not only do you now have to be able to just see a hole to see his head, you've got to have a clean lane with no little twigs or no anything between you and his chest. You know, a, a three inch or three and a half inch magnet 12 gauge will go through a whole lot of little twigs and never know it that arrow won't yeah the arrow the slightest little thing will send that arrow off on a whole opposite trajectory but like you said absolutely a 12 gauge loaded with you know anything from buckshot on down to birdshot will create a shooting lane for you it won't That's know right. that it won't care about the twigs no so you do a lot of the a lot of the competition shooting through the year. Uh, you're you're shooting for mission. Mission is making some neat bows, but on top of that, you also do a lot of guiding. And you've I do. hooked up with a place down in South Carolina called Collins Low Country. Yep. Talk a little bit about Collins and what you can do as far as let's say I call up Collins and set up a hunting trip. What am I looking at hunting? What are the species available during season to chase down there? South Carolina, you can look at it two ways. It can be an ideal state for an outfitter, or it can be the worst state for an outfitter. 
And part of that is, I mean, our, our deer season opens August 15th and runs till January 1st. It's one of the longest seasons in the country, and it's weapon of choice the entire season. I'll have guys in tree stands August 15th with rifles hunting bucks and velvet. Really? In 100 to 110 degree weather in South Carolina, yes. <laughs> um, when we get done with all of that deer hunting, we roll right into our turk arc. We hog hunt year-round, and that's one of the most popular things across the country right now is, is hunting wild boar and hogs and in, into our spring turkey season. So, I mean, it's it's nonstop is where I say it. sometimes it, it's a, a hard thing on an outfitter. It's great. We've got clients year-round, you know, business-wise. It's fantastic. But physically, it'll beat you up. Sure. You know, we don't we don't have that downtime. We don't have that, all right, you group up with your guys. You say, all right, guys, man, we've got two months of wide open here, you know, from middle of October till the end of the year when our deer season and everything are in, you know, for most states. And then we get a little bit of breather. I mean, you know, they still have work to do year round. You know, the, the work of an outfitter is not just a hunting season type situation, not if you're on a quality outfit. I mean, every one of these guys works year round at this. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tiring. It, it'll beat you up. You know, you got to figure in August, you know, our, our clients are in the stand until almost nine o'clock at night. So by the time your guide comes out and picks you up right after dark, if you've shot a deer, you know, my guide's going to bring you back. That deer's not laying right there. My guide's going to bring you back camp and drop everybody off. And then we're going to go back out with a dog and track that deer and get your deer. Well, if one or two guys have shot deer, you know, it's nothing for our guides to roll back in the camp at 1230, one o'clock in the morning. Well, and then we've got to have our clients back out in the tree stand at 630. Again. Sure. So it's rough, especially those first few weeks of the season when there's just so much daylight. That's a long day. It is. It really is. And it, it cracks me up every year. You, you see all these ads and everybody talking about, you know, extreme hunting. And they all want to talk about extreme hunting when it's cold. You know, they want to go north and, you know, well, it was 10 degrees. And don't get me wrong, that's extreme. But I'll tell you what, you come down to South Carolina, let me put you in a tree stand on the edge of a swamp August 15th when it's 110 degrees and 75% humidity with mosquitoes the size of pigeons. <laughs> that's just as extreme oh very much so and when i look at collins's website they say they're about three thousand acres it's all low fence too correct right we're up to as we've got just shy 8500 acres for all our hunting all under long-term lease we are no fences no trophy fees you come in for you know the price of your hunt is the price of your hunt that's meals and lodge looted we built a brand new 5,000 square foot florida cypress lodge three years ago designed purely for hunting we are 100 percent handicap accessible no steps no stairs in or out of camp uh wheelchair shower full full handicap bathroom so everybody is capable to come hunt with us and our biggest thing and what we love more than anything else is kids and new hunters i mean it's it's a very family-based business and it's still a business obviously you know you have to, to to keep it alive and keep it going but i mean it's it's a very we've got we run 85 80 to 85 percent repeat clientele every year wow that's huge it is it really is we do two shows a year we do the harrisburg pennsylvania outdoors show and we do the fishersville virginia show that's the only advertising we do other than word of mouth you know facebook type stuff we i can't tell you how many every year a lot we book a lot of hunts obviously that giant Harrisburg that Eastern Outdoor what used to be the Eastern Outdoor show and what we do for a lot of our clients that are up there if they don't have a tax service they use at home we've got one that, that does excellent work right there right down the road from us she does all our personal work, but any clients that need a tax service, she'll do it, and we deliver it to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the next February 40. Oh, fantastic. So yeah. now, for example, let's say I call up and I book a deer hunt. It's weapon of choice. Yeah. What am I allowed? Is it a 
buck of my choice or buck of guide's choice? What are we looking at? Because I see a flat fee, uh, but I don't see it based upon antler size. No, there's no, right. There is no price changes. We've got different properties that are open, which would be any buck with a six inch or larger spike. We've got properties that are 16 inch inside minimum. And it's your choice on a hunt by hunt. And when I say hunt, I mean either your morning hunt or your afternoon hunt of where you want to go. If you you say, hey, you know what, man, I'm feeling lucky. I want to go out to one of the trophy areas. I want to go out to one of the 16 inch areas. Okay. We're going to put you in a 16 inch area. If the next morning you wake up and say, man, I just, I got an itchy trigger finger, man. I, I want to drop something. Okay. We'll put you in an open area. You're allowed one buck of choice which, like I said, anything six-inch spike or larger on a hunt, and then all your other buck has to be 12 inches or wider, year-and-a-half-old buck. So the flat fee covers how many deer I can take more than one? Oh, absolutely. Until the, the state regulations changed last year, we allowed you a buck per sitting. You were allowed up bucks on a three-day hunt. Wow. South Carolina Institute, yeah, South Carolina instituted a tag system last year, so now you've got to buy your tags so that they, the state limits it. But you're still allowed four bucks on a three-day hunt, plus a doe, if you hunt after September 15th. So then, let's say I'm down there for a couple days, and, and I take two bucks, and I'm going to forgo a final sitting just because two bucks is as, as much as I want. Right. Is there a meat processing place that you guys can get? the deer two to have it processed so i can take it home done that way or do we just quarter it up you've got options you can do any of it yourself we've got a commercialized machine that runs 24 7 and a full skinning setup you know gimbals and, and cranes and everything or winches rather set up for there if you if you want to do it yourself if you don't want to do it yourself and honestly when i'm there i don't do mine myself because the processor that's 10 minutes down the road that your guide will bring your deer to you to for you does a phenomenal job she leaves less than 24 hour turnaround time wow. and it'll be all the way down to vacuum packed her ground meat is in weighed out one pound vacuum packed packages so yeah that makes sense to just enjoy the lodge and hang out with the other hunters and let her do her job absolutely no i've always told people this if i could only hunt one animal for the rest of my life and i was limited to just that it would be hogs i tell people all the time if i had hogs in virginia i wouldn't shoot deer i don't know what it is about them but man they are fun to hunt. they're fun they're smart they taste good you know it's just a an all-around deal but I noticed you got a three-day hunt for hogs, and I'm assuming I could go longer, you know, just talking with you guys, and I can book a longer-than-three-day hunt if desired. Absolutely. We've got a lot of guys come in. If they come in from a long distance, you know, they'll book a five-day or a six-day hunt, and we work with people. I mean, if a guy comes up to us and says, hey, man, I just I can't get that much time off of work, do you do a two-day hunt? Absolutely. Oh, okay. All we do is we take the price of whatever hunt you're looking at and cut it into thirds because that's based on a three-day hunt. We don't charge you extra or increase the, the percentages, you know, for a two-day hunt. And so I come out there for, let's say, a three- or five-day hunt, whatever, you know, the amount is, and I can shoot hogs until my finger hurts, or is there a certain number limit, or how does that work? We do right now, we're at six hogs for a three-day hunt, one per sitting. Um, and the biggest reason for that is the way the hogs act. I mean, if you get more than one blood trail coming off a stand, going into the swamp, it's tough for our guys to blood trail and get, get, get your hog for you. On the on the rifle hunts, and, the, and especially on the night hunts, what we do now, uh, we tell everybody, you know, if you squeeze the trigger and that thing hits the ground right there, and you see another one come in, go ahead. You know, if he runs off, Let's just try and stick to one just for sanity purposes for our guides. <laughs> oh, completely understand. So with night hunts, 
you guys have thermal equipment that I can rent from you or, or use, or how does that work? We have nine sets of night sight thermal imaging that mounts right on top of your scope on your rifle or one of ours, if you want to use one of ours, that is free of charge. We don't, uh, there is no rental fee, there's no, you know, no, no extra charge for that, and we'll bring you out at night. And I tell everybody, you, you need to do one night hunt. Even if it's just one sitting during your hunt, you need to do it once. I mean, we're, we're all grown adults. We know there's nothing out in the woods that can get you. <laughs> but, boy, the first time you sit in that South Carolina low country swamp and it's pitch black and some of the noises and the critters you're going to hear, your brain starts going. You're convinced Bigfoot's ready to come around the corner any second. <laughs> oh, yeah. And hunting hogs at night, which I've done before, you know, a 50-pound hog might as well be a 2,000-pound buffalo sometimes if that's the first time you've ever been out there because it'll oh, freak yeah. you out. And they're not, they're, they're like you said, they're extremely smart. I mean, they've said dog, uh, hogs are smarter than a dog. And if they come in, if you get one hog to come in, they can be very quiet. I had taken two or three seasons ago, I don't know exactly when it was, my girlfriend's daughter. I started hunting with her quite a bit. And I have more fun hunting with her than hunting by myself. I'd rather take her to go but go alone anymore. But I had brought her down there, and we were hunting at night. We had a trail camera set up, and we actually had to walk past the trail camera to go to the box blind that we were sitting in on the ground. And you see a picture of us walk past, and we go get in the box blind, and we sat there for, I don't remember how long we sat, three or four hours. We saw one hog, and it was a little one. And it scared. I'm convinced I think she peed just a little bit because it came running <laughs> past that box blind about a foot and a half off the door i think it wasn't 10 pounds it just scurried right off that it was the first time she ever seen one <laughs> she got a little excited and that was all we saw so the next day and we had had hogs hitting that stand every night showing up on camp so the next day during the day i was out with the owner and we were some cameras and just doing some property maintenance and things we need to do and we swung by and pulled the cards off of that camera well you can see us walk past the stand then about two hours later you can see one lone about 250 pound boar walk right past that feeder and sit there and eat corn for about three or four minutes and feed off and we never knew he was there he never made a peep you know they just they show up i I can remember I was deer hunting one year, sat there all day and never saw a single deer. Kind of bummed. I, I unloaded my rifle. I'm packing everything up in my backpack. It's dusk. Can't really see that well. I look back out at the feeder. And I'm like, what the heck is that under the feeder? And yeah, That rock wasn't there a minute ago. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there going, exactly. That And that rock's moving. I put one shell in my 30-odd six. The feeder's maybe... I don't know, 45, 50 yards from me, maybe not 40, 40, 45 yards, somewhere about that from me. I pull the trigger. I hear a squeal and it's gone. So I tell the guide, oh man, it's just a little 40, 45, 50 pound hog. You know, he says, okay, we'll take everybody back. And then you and I'll come back out and look for it. I said, okay. So we get back out there and we're walking up this hill and we're seeing nothing, seeing nothing, no blood, but we can see their leaves all scattered around from where it had run. So we're following mm-hmm. it, and I go to the one direction, he goes to the other. All of a sudden, I hear him yell, hey, don't you wear glasses? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, well, you need a new pair. <laughs> I, he says, what do you mean? He goes, this ain't no 50-pound hog. And I get over there, and I'm like, holy smokes. Well, field dress, that hog weighed 210 pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bigger. They're hard to judge. They really are. You know, biggest not only was it my first hog, but it's the best one I've ever taken. Huge cutters. And in Texas, in the rocky country, they tend to break their cutters off quite a bit. Right. 
This guy had big three-inch cutters on him. Just, uh, you couldn't have asked for a better hog. Even the guide was going, son of a gun, this is the best one we've, because it was all low fence. He goes, this is the best one I've seen in here right. in like, you know, four years. He goes, this is an amazing hog. You just never know. They they come in quiet. Like, you know, if there's a bunch of them, if it's a sounder and there's a bunch of them, those little babies will come in and you'll hear them in the brush. But if it's a, Oh, yeah, they'll make a racket. Yeah, if it's a solitary boar, he's going to come in real quiet. You know, it's it's like I went bear hunting once, and you'd think an animal that big would make sound, but, man, they're just <laughs> quiet. <laughs> and it's just like a yeah. boar hog. So then we've got awesome deer hunting with an extremely long season and a very liberal uh, bag limit. We've got awesome hog hunting on a large amount of property. And then last but not least, there's turkey hunting there. There is. South Carolina only does a spring season, so we only do a, you know, there, there is no fall season. And all of our turkey hunts come with a free hog hunt. A lot of, you know, it will, it, they're guided one-on-one every morning. You're going to have a, a personal guide till about 11 o'clock every morning. And then you'll come back to camp and eat and relax and everything. And in the afternoons, you've got your choice. We'll either bring you out and put you on the edge of one of the chufa plots or one of the food plots or something where the birds are coming through and feeding and dusting before they go to roost. Or we'll bring you out and put you on one of our hog stands and, and let you shoot a hog. Oh, wow. What's the bag limit on turkeys? Three per season. I see for the 2018 year, and again, these prices are, are subject to change, but I'm just going to quote the price on the website right now, right. is just under $1,400, bucks, $1,395. For, right. Let's just say $1,400, I can come out there and I can take up to three turkeys? Yeah, up to three long beards. We obviously don't shoot, you know, can't shoot any hands and we don't shoot any jakes. If I get one or two turkeys and then I want to go sit the stand for a few days to do to do hog hunting... Uh, you guys got no problem with that. Absolutely not. Honestly, that, that's one hog's included in that hunt. And that's one hog to kill, not just, you know, we take you out, you just look at them, that doesn't count. Okay. You know, we do our, our deer hunts are the same way. If you're deer hunting a hog, a lot of guys want to do a combo hunt. So what we do is if you kill a hog on a deer hunt, it's 50 bucks. Okay. But we don't charge you extra just to say you can. You know, if you want to look at them or take pictures of them, okay, cool. If you want to shoot them, then, you know, we'll do that, that $50 fee. If you actually shoot one, and is it fifty bucks um, per hog, a, or are we allowed just one? Right. No, fifty bucks per hog. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, and basically that's just covering our guy coming off of the deer and, and dealing with the hog. You know what I mean? Yep. On the turkey hunts, that's included. There is no extra fee for that one hog. If you wanted to shoot more than one, then it would be fifty dollars. That's extremely reasonable. So really, a a great deal, and so I can see. I, I can see why you spend a lot of time down there because I'm looking at some of the game pictures and people go to collinslowcountryhuntclub.com. Easiest way is just go to the show notes of this. I'll have a link to the Collins. I'll have a link to Matt's stuff. Matt, it looks like you use Instagram and Facebook. I do. And your website's not up right now. I'm going to put a link out to it, but once it becomes available, that website will kick right in and, and anybody that's listening to the show can go right in there and link right to tryinghardoutdoors.com that we're perfect so tell me a little bit about what's the future anything big coming up that you want to talk about well actually there is um we're in a process of and should have in a few weeks called hoverball it's a four foot deep by 10 foot wide archery target system with four floating ping pong balls in the middle of it and we're going to be bringing that to shows and promotions at store events and different things like that and you shoot actually a foam tipped arrow it's got about a two and a half inch diameter block of foam on the end of the arrow 
and you've got to try and knock those ping pong balls off of the air. That's pretty and cool. It's a little more challenging than it sounds. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's shooting with a traditional bow, not a crossbow, correct? Right. It'll it'll be traditional bow shooting. We supplied a bow. Uh, we'll have a couple of recurve bows, and then we're going to end up with a few of the uh, the Genesis bows from Matthews. You know, has no draw length setting in them, so any anybody can shoot it. Oh, um, neat. and it's all close range. So I mean, it's, kids can shoot it, adults can shoot it. It's set up for anybody to be able to shoot. And then whenever we do at any of the outdoor shows, or we're going to bring it to some of the archery tournaments we go to, any of that stuff. We haven't figured out exactly how we're going to run it yet, but we're thinking on for every round that you shoot, you get entered into a drawing, and we're going to give away a hunt. Oh, cool. So it doesn't matter if you hit every one of the ping pong balls or if you hit none of them. You stand just as good of a chance of winning as the next guy. Well, that's pretty cool. That's going to be uh, – and it's going to be challenging because you're shooting at a very small target, so I, I can't imagine you sitting there going, oh, we're just going to knock ping pong balls all over the place unless somebody's very proficient. It's going to be a little bit of a little bit of a challenge to it. It's harder than it looks. You look at it. Well, I'm only shooting from five yards. So it's, it's speed. Yeah, it's not that easy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very cool. And then we'll we'll use it. I'll set it up a little bit different privately a few times, and we're going to do some some trick shooting with it. You know, trying to shoot ping pong balls at 60, 80 yards with a crossbow. Just some you know some neat video type stuff. Just. Fun stuff, you know. I mean, nothing, nothing serious, but just to go out and have a good time with it, you know, and, and just have fun with it. That should be a blast. That should absolutely be a good time. And I really think it will. I, I'm, we've kicked the idea of buying one of these things around for a couple of years, and I, I really think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll kind of be along the same lines as the crossbow, maybe pique a little bit of interest in somebody that might not have had an interest in archery. I think it'll do great for us at the shows. You know, one to like I said to gain interest in archery, and and two to where we're going to be doing something with some of the hunts from Collins. You know, to to help promote our stuff there. Also, it's just I, I really think it's going to be a, a good deal. Every promoter and every store I've spoken to so far, everybody's on board. Everybody's interested, and I think it'll be a good draw for the outdoor shows. Also, oh yeah, very much so. You know how they all have. You know they have the, the celebrities and the different stuff come in. You know to draw people and for people to do while they're there. I think that'll be be neat also and, and help. You know give some people some some interactive stuff to do while they're there. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's sorry I didn't mean to have a, a pause there. I was just kind of thinking about trying to hit one of those ping pong balls at sixty eight yards. I said, yeah. You know, I, there's some pro hunters that I don't know if they could do that. That's a that's a hefty range. It is, and I mean, and the ball doesn't sit perfectly still. I mean, they they kind of flutter a little bit. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. We do a lot of that, a lot of the, not trick shooting, but that kind of stuff. And we're going to start to video more of that. We started our YouTube channel, but haven't put anything on it yet. And that's going to be just. I've got friends that make a living off of YouTube, you know, and it and it's basically a, a mini TV show or a mini movie when they do it. Right. And that's awesome. But that's not my vision. My vision is I want an over-the-shoulder, unedited view into what it is I get to do. The awesome places I get to travel to every year and the people we get to meet. And sometimes it'll be a hunt and sometimes it'll be us being goofballs, shooting ping-pong balls with crossbows at 60 or 70 yards. You know what I mean? Just to, just to kind of let people see of you know the industry is it's crazy and it's not all i don't want the hollywood side of it i, I want to just show people the the real everyday part of it 
I tell guys all the time, like if I could pick any sponsor in the world, it would be Exxon and Mobil because I spend more in fuel and more time <laughs> behind a steering wheel than I do in a tree stand every year by far. Well, and I always tell people it, it doesn't take much. You know, what was it last year? A name I won't mention, but a very well-known person in the outdoor industry got himself in a lot of trouble for some footage that came out from a few years before and pretty much got run mm-hmm. out. There's always that person that's trying to chase the buck. And by buck, I mean the dollar. And right. when they do that, they seem to flame out and they disappear or they go down dramatically like this person did. But it's the guys that are out there just doing it day after day that uh, and, and keeping it real. Those are the ones that stick around, and those are the ones that uh, really you see them year after year after year. They're just always good people to know. The industry is a labor of love. I mean, here's you know, as well as I do, there's not but a handful of people really making a lot of money in the hunting industry as far as, you know, not manufacturer-wise, but as far as entertainers or pro hunters or pro shooters, whatever, you know, whatever you want to label them as. There's only a handful of those people that do that really full-time and, and make a living out of it. Correct. The rest of us all somehow managed to keep a real job without getting fired and running around the country <laughs> doing this stuff, you know, when we can. And that's what I really want people to see. I want to be able to show people that, you know, hey, you know, if, if you love this stuff, if you have a drive and a desire to do it, do it. Put in the work, put in the effort, and, and go do it. You know, you'll never regret it. You'll love every minute of it. You know, is, is it hard work? Absolutely. Are you going to make probably 50 cents an hour if you really haven't figured it out? Absolutely. It, it's the hardest job you'll make very little money at and have a great time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, the people I've met and the friends I've met, you know, the, the guys down at Collins, I mean, I met them originally at the Harrisburg Outdoor Show when I was in a booth for Horton Archer. They were in a booth right next to us, and it turned out one of the head guys from Horton knew the owner of Collins. And Collins, we changed the name three years ago. The original owner was Bang Collins and his son, Tom Collins. Bang passed away when he passed away to just to restructure everything and we're it most of it had actually been in his name we changed it over to collins low country hunt club but i mean i met those guys at a show and now they're family i mean they, they really are i speak to them almost daily i mean it, they're family and that's just the way the industry is i mean I, i've met some amazing amazing people in it and friends that you would have never had because they're from oklahoma or god knows where you know what i mean just scattered across the country how many hunters do you like to have in camp at any, or what's the maximum that you'll have in camp at any given time? We've got 12 bedrooms in the new lodge that we built during on our hog hunt. We will not have more than eight to 10 hunters at a time. I would rather have eight to 10 hunters. And I could, at eight to 10, I could put every client on a brand new, fresh unhunted stand every time I carry them to the woods, if I need to and keep them and keep them on good animals and productive stands. You know, if you go into a stand one day, if you spook them hogs, they are not coming back tomorrow. They're going to move. You know, they're just too smart for that. It's this, you know, it's not like a deer where you're going to come in cautious the next day. No, they're not coming back for a week. They're just not. So by keeping our numbers down, we can give everybody a better hunt. You know, like I said, we've got 12 bedrooms with, you know, with at least two bunks in each room. I mean, we could stack the people in there like cordwood if we really wanted to, but that's not what we want to do. That's not why we have an 80 to 85% return ratio. The only time you're going to ever see more than 10 to 12 on average, and that's on the high side, is we will be pretty well full during the first two weeks of deer season for velvet because we'll have two or three tv shows in there and those guys when those guys roll in there's anywhere from three to six of them you know by the time you have an editor and a cameraman and a hunter and a deer guy and you know i mean there's just there's more people but other than that 
even when the rut comes in, you know, on the high side, we'll have 10 to 12. Normally, we average three to four in camp during deer season pretty well straight through. Okay, so you're going to have some opportunity to get out to different stands and and really get to see some of that property you guys are covering. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And once you come into camp, I really tell everybody, you know, unless you decide you want to just go for a ride and check out the scenery one afternoon, you don't start your truck. When you pull in and park in our parking lot, we're going to bring you into the camp, get you moved into your room and get you settled. Obviously, you're there. You know, we're going to start feeding you and taking care of you. And this is all the day before your hunt starts. Our hunts are, are three full days of hunting with four nights in hills and lodgings. You're going to come in the afternoon before your hunt. we get you moved in, get you settled. We've got a rifle range, a pistol range, and an archery range right there at the camp to check all your gear. You would hunt, so say you arrived today on a Thursday, then you would hunt Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You don't leave the home until Monday morning. What about booking a midweek hunt, something like that, leave the weekend open where, you know, we don't have any set arrival or departure days. You can arrive any, especially, you know, these days and times. I mean, I work for a railroad, and I happen to work Monday through Friday, but most of the guys there don't. You know, I've got buddies of mine that are Tuesday, Wednesday. Is their weekend. Oh, got it. Okay. You know, and, and more and more people are, are running into that of, of, you know, it's not, everybody doesn't work 9 to 5 Monday through Friday anymore. So, no, we, we are set up for, that's one of the reasons why we built 12 bedrooms in a new lodge is we want to be able to rotate on whatever days we want. We don't have that set, okay, everybody arrives on Fridays or Fridays and Wednesdays. Those are our two days. Nope, you can come in with whatever days work for you. Oh, very cool. So, there's a lot of flexibility. Well, you know, Matt, you got hopefully a lot of folks hooked on the idea of coming to Collins Low Country with a with a huge repeat ratio like you're you're talking. Um, it, it's best to call sooner the call the better. Absolutely, especially you know somebody that's set for times. You know, hey, this is this is when I can get off, and these are the days I have. Yeah, it's you know you, you want to call down and, and set up as soon as you can. But at the same time, I mean, we'll have where our is so long you know it's not like you're the average outfitter where you've got a, a three-week beer season where they're just slam book full for two years i can't even tell you how many times we'll be sitting in camp and the phone will ring and a guy will be like hey i just got a couple days off of work can i come in tomorrow oh uh, let's look yeah come on <laughs> you know bring it in bring it on let's go sweet so with all that said you know we, we've covered a lot we've covered the crossbow shooting the asa tournaments that you're running the ibo tournaments the awesome hunting opportunities with the very liberal bag limits in South Carolina. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, Matt, what's the best way to do that? To get in touch with me, the easiest way, I mean, they can email me. My email is Matt at tryinghardoutdoors.com. They can look us up on Facebook or Instagram and message us on either one of those. And that is, you know, straight under trying hard outdoors. They can call right down to our lodge. And I mean, if I'm not there, Somebody's there to answer the phone, but I mean, if you know, call direct to Collins down in South Carolina and either leave me a message there or, or talk to whoever answers the phone if, if they're calling about, you know, interested in a hunt. We, we try and be pretty open. And So the show notes, I'm going to have links to Matt's Facebook page, Instagram page, and then the contact us information is literally, when you click on it, you're going to see Matt's face for, for the pictures right now. Then <laughs> to the right of that is his contact information. So you know you got the right guy. Just look for the Bigfoot and the Mission Crossbow. You know, the Collins website, the Collins Low Country Hunt Club, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, man, I've never hunted South Carolina. I can see this coming in my future. And <laughs> can't wait to, to try that out for uh, turkey and my personal favorite, hog. 
we do we've got a facebook page for for columns also and we do that a little bit different than most outfitters if you go to our facebook page we post pictures of every deer and every hog that our clients take it's not just the giant bucks that you're going to see on here if you come down and harvest take an animal with us you're going to be on our facebook page whether it's a doe or a three-pointer or a 140 inch trophy south carolina monster everybody every animal we take gets gets posted so people can see what we're really taking and what what they have a realistic chance of seeing very cool and let me ask you this is there any fishing opportunities around there where i could pick up a fishing license and, and do that if i wanted to not go and sit in a stand Absolutely. There's some, some ponds around. We're right on the river. There's plenty of spots. I mean, we don't guide for fishing, but I mean, there's plenty of spots that, that we could give you directions to just to go, you know, goof off for a couple hours and, and have some fun either in the middle of the day, you know, or like you said, if you wanted to you know, not go out on one of your sits if you were tired or, hey, I've already got a couple. I'm just going to goof off and fish. I'm good. You yeah. know, go wet a line and call it a day. Right. Man, I can't thank you enough for your time. You know, we're looking at five star reviews from collins low country uh, hunt club we've, we've got great opportunities you know if you want to talk crossbows feel free to contact matt you want to talk hunting contact him I, I just again i can't thank you enough for your time thank you very much i appreciate it, jason and i mean anything we could do to to help you guys get your your word out there a little bit more i mean that's you know that's the nature of the beast here it's you take care enjoy your day and uh, i look forward to catching up with you in the future all right thank you very much jason thanks all right Early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat. Here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Oh, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on creek bank Kick back a couple beers yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands The fever starts to creep Fill our freezers full of ducks Lots of tender deer Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Yeah, we command the outdoors Yeah, we So grab your 
gun shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here. We command the outdoors.